Feel free to turn to Psalm 49 this morning, Psalm 49. We're continuing our series in the Psalms this week and next week. And Psalm 49 in particular um, will help us. Uh, God's gift to us are the Psalms. And one of the things the Psalms do for us, they help us to express our hearts to God, no matter what emotion we're experiencing. We'll see various emotions in this Psalm. But they also help us to shape our view of God. And so this morning, Psalm 49 has a, a particular perspective on the world that I believe we need to hear and will shape us. So with that, let me pray for our time, and then I'll read our passage. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning, this worship, chance to sing your praises, chance to gather together. And I do pray that as now we come to your word, would you help us to understand your perspective on our world. Help us to grow in our understanding of your ways and of your grace, of your love for us. I pray that through Psalm 49, we would see more clearly, we would grasp your character to us. And so would you overcome any resistance, any obstacles in our minds, our hearts to what you would have to teach us this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 49, starting verse 1. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the life of his price, or give, give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet with them people approve of their boasts. Like sheep they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd. And the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he can carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed... And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go down to the generations of his fathers, who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without wisdom, is like the beast that perish. You might have noticed that uh, throughout this psalm, 
Wealth is mentioned over and over in this psalm. And with that, a poll was once taken with the question, what would you do for a million dollars? Over 40% of people answered what they would do for a million dollars. They answered it in, in one of four ways. They would be willing for a, for a million dollars to either spend time in jail, never see their best friend again, move permanently to a foreign country, or here's my favorite twisted one, they would be willing to throw their pet off a cliff. Yeah, we shouldn't laugh, it's horrible. What would you do for a million dollars? If you would be tempted to do something shady or foolish or ridiculous, um, would you be willing to? Right? Money can do funny things to our hearts. This is why the scripture so often speaks about money and possessions. In fact, Jesus spoke more about wealth than any other social issue, more than marriage, politics, more than work, more than sex, more than power. So why the emphasis in the scripture on the danger of the love of money and possessions? It is because every human was created by God to worship. Everybody is a worshiper. And we'll either worship our creator, the one true Lord, or we'll find lesser things of creation to worship. In other words, we'll either trust and treasure God, or we'll trust and treasure other things, lesser things. And so often those lesser things are in the realm of money and possessions. Now, my guess is that none of us wake up each morning, we look at our, our, our daily schedule and think, oh, yep, there it is, I'm going to live for money today. Yep, I'm going to serve money. But the reality is, the love of money can just slowly creep into our hearts. Okay, so maybe you would not throw your pet, you know, scruffy, whatever, off of Pike's Peak for a million dollars, but... If you're tempted to think, oh, but if I just had more, if I just had a little bit more, maybe it suggests that you have bought into the message, the message of the world that suggests more money equals fill in the blank. If I had more money, more security, more pleasure, more happiness, if I just had more, then I would be fulfilled then I would be blessed. And is that really true? So one danger of the love of money is what it does to our own hearts, the enticement of it. The other danger of the love of money is what it does to other people's hearts. And we'll see this in Psalm 49 this morning. Because we live in a fallen, sinful world where greed, oppression, exploitation... Injustice runs rampant. A world where those who do not love and follow God can often prosper. And maybe we wonder, how can God allow this? How can God 
allow them, the ungodly, to be blessed. And then the enemy of our souls whispers, but you can be like them. Live for what this world has to offer. The ungodly have the good life. And don't you want it as well? Recall that one of the three temptations that Satan put in front of Jesus was that Satan took Jesus to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. And essentially Satan said, Jesus, you can have all of this. Just bow down and worship me. And do we not at times face these same temptations? To live for pleasure. Live for money. That'll make you happy. Live for your own glory. Do whatever it takes to make more money and to buy more stuff and to put our security in the things of this world. You know, the old uh, adage, if you can't beat them, join them. Conform to the ways of the world. Join them. But Psalm 49 will remind us, we don't want to join them. Psalm 49 has a sobering perspective on those who put their foolish confidence in the wealth, in themselves, in the world. Psalm 49 is a wisdom psalm, helping us to see the real world from God's perspective as he sees it. And the idea of this psalm is to direct our eyes and our hearts past this world and on to eternity. Psalm 49 is written by the sons of Korah. They wrote 11 psalms. They were in charge of the worship in the temple back in the Old Testament. And so let's hear what the sons of Korah have to say. Verse 1, here's what they declare. Hear this, all peoples, give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. In other words, Everyone needs to hear this, whether you consider yourself rich or poor, of high status or low status, everyone needs this message. Verse 3, the psalmist says, My mouth shall speak wisdom, the meditation of my heart shall be understanding. Again, this is a wisdom psalm. The goal for God's people is to grow in understanding, and that understanding of of God's perspective on our world and on our lives. Verse 4, the psalmist says, I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Now, that word lyre, L-Y-R-E, essentially think harp. Okay? In verse 4, the psalmist is saying there's this proverb. There's this riddle that I'm going to solve while strumming on the harp. And what he's getting at is that there's this mystery in the world. There's this profound question that may not be obvious to the world, but that God's people need to deeply ponder. And he's going to put this question, or, or put this, uh, this problem in the form of a question. And we see this in verses 5 and 6. He's going to lay out this mystery. And here it is, the question in 5 and 6. Why should I fear in times of trouble? When the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. 
So the first part of this question is, why not fear? Why should he not fear? Why should we not fear? Now, let's just consider fear for a minute. Helpful book, uh, The Cry of the Soul. It's a book on the Psalms by Dan Allender and Tremper Longman. I like how they articulate fear. What they say is fear is essentially, when we think of fear, we can think of different forms of fear, right? It could be worry, could be nervousness, could be angst. There's actually different levels in the human heart to fear. It could go from nervousness, then with more intensity is worry, and then anxiety, to terror, and then there's horror. Right? We experience different levels of this in our lives. And why do we fear? At the end of the day, we fear that which we cannot control and that which threatens to harm us. Whether that harm is physical or emotional or relational. Right? We fear what we can't control. And we fear that which threatens this to harm us. And in this case, the psalmist and likely the people of God are tempted to fear because they are surrounded, the psalmist says, by the iniquity of those who cheat. That word iniquity, anytime we see it in the psalms, typically refers to human acts or deeds, hurtful acts or deeds from humans to others. So they're surrounded by wicked deceivers who are making their lives miserable. And again, the psalmist doesn't explain the circumstances directly of what is taking place, but it's safe to say God's people are being harmed by the greed, by the oppression, exploitation of the ungodly. And at the heart of their evil is this. It's stated in verse 6. They trust in their wealth as opposed to God, and they boast of the abundance of their riches. So, back to the question, why are God's people not to fear in a crooked world where the ungodly seem to flourish and where the godly at times are being cheated, being sinned against, oppressed, harmed? And do we not feel this angst at times in our own lives, in the world around us, this angst of a broken, fallen, sinful world, the pressures that weigh down on us? The rest of Psalm 49 will answer the question of why we are not to fear. And the psalmist begins to answer this question in verses 7 through 12 by pointing to the utter foolishness of trusting in our riches. Verses 7 through 9. It says, Truly no man can ransom another or give God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on for forever and never see the pit. So the psalmist is clear. No one, no man, no mere man can ransom another. For the ransom of a life is too costly. So a ransom is essentially a payout. You would pay a ransom to buy something back or to buy yourself out of trouble. As one commentator summed this up, but human life is so valuable, so deeply in debt because of sin, that no human procured ransom will be sufficient to save us from death, which is the wages of our sin. The point the psalmist is making here is that the ungodly may trust in their wealth, 
and they may boast of the abundance of their riches, but no amount of their money can buy them out of the pit, out of the grave. You can't pay your way out of death. And on top of that, the psalm will go on to talk about the fact that not only can you not pay your way out of the grave, you also can't take anything with you to the grave. This is verses 10 through 12. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. The psalmist is very direct. The fool and the stupid alike, his words, not mine, the fool and the stupid alike will perish, and they will leave their wealth to others. As one commentator, John Stott, put it, can't take it with you, so pack lightly in this life. Right? And did you catch just at least a hint of sarcasm from the psalmist who says, in their arrogance, the ungodly accumulated all these lands and named the lands after themselves. But what do they have now? Their only dwelling place is a single grave. The sobering truth for the world around us that we need to hear this as well can't ransom ourselves out of death, and we can't take anything with us. These verses make me think of um, 9-11. It was September 11, 2001. The planes crashed into the Twin Towers, resulting in the death of thousands. There's two images in my mind that still haunt me to this day. One image is of a man who is uh, pretty high up in one of the towers. And the camera zooms in with the destruction that was taking place as this man is climbing out his window to try to escape the Twin Towers, an impossible task. Inevitably, the man falls to his death. The other image that is haunting to me is one of the reporters the very next day was at ground zero reporting in the midst of the debris. And at one point, the reporter leans down, picks up a piece of paper and holds it up. Reporter says, this, uh, what, what the reporter holds up, was a bank statement. And the reporter said, this bank statement probably seems so important just yesterday morning. I think that's it, isn't it? Death will come to us all. The question is, what are we living for? So we never know when that day is going to come. What are we trusting in? What is our security? I am not saying that it is a sin to have nice things. And I am not saying that it is a sin to be rich. It's a matter of the heart. What do we love? What do we serve? Maybe it's who do we love and serve? Verse 12, man in his pomp, meaning man in his own glory, his arrogance, will not remain. He is like the beast that perish. This is the refrain of the psalm. We'll see the same refrain show up again in verse 20. And the point is this. 
No matter how glorious we think we are on this earth, if left to ourselves, we will perish just like the animals. But there is hope. And we see this hope in verses 13 through 15 of this psalm. Because in verses 13 through 15, there will be two paths that are laid out. There's the path of the fool, trust in themselves, and the path of the wise, who trust in God. So let's consider first the path of the fool, verses 13 and 14. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. So here's the path of foolish confidence. Those who trust in themselves, as well as their followers. The psalmist gives, this, uh, gives us an image of them as sheep. And who is leading them? It is death that's being personified here. Death is their shepherd, leading them to Sheol. Sheol is the place of the dead, also referred to in this psalm as the pit in verse 9, as a place of no light in verse 19. It is a place that is cut off from the presence of God. And according to this psalm in verse 14, it's a place of rotting and despair. Verse 14, their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. Just think of this contrast. Think about the promise to God's people throughout the Old Testament and into the New. God declares, I will be your God. I will be faithful. You will be my people. I will secure you to myself. And I will dwell with you forever. That's the promise to God's people. But here, to the ungodly they are in a place. It is, it is actually, their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell, no dwelling with God. And again, why should the righteous not fear the wicked? Again, recall, what is fear? Fear is, we fear when we cannot control and when we are threatened by harm. Physical, relational, emotional, spiritual, right? But the reality is God is in control of all things. He will make all things right. That is his promise. God will bring judgment and justice to an evil, wicked world. God's children who have been harmed will be harmed no more. We don't have to worry. God is in control of this world. But what is the ultimate reason why we are not to fear? What is the ultimate reason for our hope? Verse 15. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Here's the good news. There is a way out of death. I mentioned earlier that there's two paths, right? There's the path of the fool and there's the path of the wise. And what is the difference between these two? One word is trust. The fool trusts in themselves and their riches. And what do they boast in? They boast in the abundance of their riches. But the wise trust in God and boast in the abundance of God's grace. That is the difference. 
do we boast in the abundance of God's grace? See, the second path, it is the path of God's grace. And the psalmist looked forward in hope to a God who would ransom him and receive him, ransom his soul and receive him. But we have the privilege of being able to look back and see exactly how God accomplished that ransom. So as we consider this second path, let's actually think about the path that Jesus took. Because of our sin against the holy God, the scriptures are clear that the price, the payment for that sin is death. And following death, eternal separation from God, what the Bible calls hell. And no mere man can ransom another from that reality. But what did God do? He took on flesh. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus himself, came to us to rescue. And what did Jesus declare? It's at the heart of the Gospel of Mark. Son of man came not to be served, but to serve. and To give his life as a ransom for many. So what path did Jesus take? He took the path to the cross. Because the price for sin against a holy God is death. But Jesus gave himself. He substituted himself in our place on the cross. Jesus himself paid that ransom, ransomed us from hell. And the price, what was the price? The scriptures say it's the precious blood of Christ. That was the price. The apostle Peter speaks to this in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, you were ransomed, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Revelation, the book of Revelation, declares this about Jesus, that he alone, you are worthy to take the scroll, open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men from God, or for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 the Apostle Paul tells us, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. What's that price? The precious blood of Christ. So glorify God. See, the world may boast in the abundance of their riches here on this earth. But that is not our boast. Our boast is in the riches of God's grace to us through Christ. Here's the beauty of how secure we are because of the precious blood of Christ. Psalm 49 said of the fool in verse 14, Like sheep, they're appointed for Sheol, and death shall be their shepherd. But what did Jesus declare in John 10? I am the good shepherd. Good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. And why can no one snatch us out of Christ's hands if we are in Christ? It is because he has scars on his hands from the nails that went into the cross because he shed his blood for us. 
And in his grip, he will not let go. In light of this glorious truth, verses 16 through 20, is a bit of a summary of this whole psalm. Verse 16, be not afraid. Now, at times that word afraid or fear can be just fear like scary. But other times in the scriptures it can be fear means be in awe or overawed. So either way, do not be afraid and certainly do not be in awe when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies... He will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go down to the generation of his fathers who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. Did you catch verse 18? For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And why? Because of the abundance of his wealth. Because of his possessions. But what does it mean to be blessed? We need every Sunday to remind us of the truth of God's scripture. Right? What does it mean to be blessed? What did Jesus tell us? Blessed are they... Who hunger and thirst for wealth, for they shall be satisfied. It's not it, is it? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And do we believe that? Recall my question, what would you do for a million dollars? How about this? If you knew that you were going to be on a deserted island... For a year, and you had to choose, you could, you, could take, you could have two things on this deserted island. For the whole year, you could make your choice of have these two things, and then you could bring them back with you when your time on the island was done. And here's your choice. You could either have a million dollars for your time on the island and bring it back with you, or you could have the Bible what would you choose? A whole year with the scriptures of dwelling with God or to not have that and to bring back a million dollars. What would you choose? You will choose what you think will bring you the most blessing. That's what we'll choose. And there's only one right answer. The question is, are you rich? See, the psalmist wants us to grow in understanding. The very beginning of the psalm, the word understanding is used. The very end, the word understanding, this is a wisdom psalm. We're to grow in God's perspective of the world. We're to grow in understanding. The question is, are you rich? question is, do you understand? Do you understand the path of the fool and where it leads? And do you understand the path of the wise and where it leads? And if, if 
you worry, if you worry about the future and blessing and will there be enough and all that, can I suggest, just suggest 1 Peter chapter 1? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. The psalmist wants our eyes and our hearts to be off of the world and onto its eternity. And again, the question are you rich? The answer is, if you have Christ, you are rich. And what awaits you is an inheritance, a glorious eternal life. And if you do not have Christ, the truth is, you have nothing. And what awaits you, you do not want. I would plead with you, to run to Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, for the cross, for his precious blood, that if we are in Christ, we are rich. And the glories of this world and the wealth and the riches and the treasures and the things so often that our hearts can seek to long for and cling to will fade away and there will be a glorious eternal life. And I pray that you would help us to desire that more. Glorious life of dwelling with you, of your blessing, of what you have to offer. Help our hearts to be directed towards you and not the things of this world. So help us to grow in our love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the precious blood of Christ. Thank you that he took on flesh. Jesus, that you took on flesh and you came to us and you rescued us. So I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.